Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Self-Initiative Project Podcast. I'm your host, Jim O'Brien. Hey, welcome back. Welcome to Podcast 36. And this time I've got my good buddy, Dennis Haynes, back on with me. Former Marine, gun enthusiast, caretaker, and my brother from another mother. Dennis, how are you, sir? (laughs) I'm doing good, brother from another mother. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And this episode, you know, it's kind of, you know, for you, I think there's been some light bulbs go off in your head recently. We wanted to talk about personal safety for the disabled and that can take on a lot of different forms right you know being disabled doesn't have to be a permanent thing or a severe thing but you know it does impact a lot of people and um so you were kind of the genesis of us putting this particular podcast together but with that being said i had another buddy of mine on instagram jeff who um wanted me to talk specifically for his benefit on some things that he could do for his personal safety and he suffers from uh jeff i hope you don't mind me talking about you but just for the sake of transparency you know he suffers from crohn's disease and from day to day you know some days he might be doing okay and other days he he doesn't do so well so he was hoping that i could provide some magical bullets and you know i want to say that right up front for those listing thinking that there's going to be some information that gives you magic or something that's going to work, you know, 90 plus percent of the time, it always just depends. Right. And something that works for someone in one situation may not work for someone else in the exact same situation or something you may be able to do for yourself one day because of your disabilities or your handicap, you may not be able to do on the next, but as far as why I wanted to have you on here, you recently have gone through some stuff yourself. Um, if you don't mind me saying you now have had your second knee, your other knee out of the three that you have, uh, replaced recently. (laughs) Is that right? Yeah. I had my second knee replacement and uh, be honest with you, you know, five years later and being five years older, the recovery, wasn't the same or it's not the same because I'm still going through it as my first knee replacement. And I'm finding myself um, feeling disadvantaged. And, you know, that's why we, we, we talked about this. Yeah. You know, I was, uh, I was recently <clears throat> in the gun store making a gun purchase and um, I'm walking with a cane, which I typically don't do. And I really should have had a walker, but um, the store that I was going into isn't handicap friendly, so I couldn't get a walker in there. So I had my cane and I, you know, made my purchase and it dawned on me as I was walking out with my pistol on the arm, my yeah. cane on the other hand, I was carrying, right? But as I turned and started facing the door, it dawned on me how everyone just saw me make this purchase. The store is packed. Yeah. There were a lot of people standing around outside of the store. Sure. And my senses went off. You know, I went to like an orange, right? Thinking, okay, (laughs) if someone attacks me, I'm not at full capacity because, you know, I'm not always going to go to my gun. As we've talked before, your gun is not your first line of defense, right? I'm going to, you know, try to de-escalate first and, you know, by can talk through or, you know, hands on first. And I just realized that, you know, with the way I am right now, hands packed and with a crutch and a bum knee, I felt, I felt vulnerable. Yeah. Right. And it made me think, you know, 
how how do you train yourself for something like that, right? How do you what 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 are the what are the things you think about, right? You know, I've always thought about what I would do if I got attacked and I was able to engage fully healthy or you know in a gunfight, but I never thought about you know being disabled. And what do you do? You know, how do you protect yourself? What are, what are, what are, what are, what are the things you should do? What are the things I should carry? You know, where where should I be looking? You know, um, to attack someone if I'm slightly disabled? I'm not going to get on the ground and crawl with them because right? <laughs> yeah. I can barely get on the ground, you know, <laughs> as it is. So yeah. you know, just those things ran through my head. Yeah, and, you know, you bring up a good point. If you're if you're otherwise a healthy individual and you find yourself having gone through major surgery like yourself or something else, you know, whatever it is, sports injury, maybe you're just down for the count because you got a badly twisted ankle or whatever playing soccer and, and you find yourself on crutches for the first time in your life, you know, whatever it is, you know, it may not be a permanent thing. It could be just temporary, but whatever it is that caused you to get there, you know, it's it's kind of eye-opening. I can imagine it was kind of scary, right, to f- think about your vulnerability and, and, dare I say, your weakened state, right? Because it wouldn't normally be something you'd be concerned about. You know, you carry yourself strongly out in public. You generally concealed carry permit, you know, owner. <clears throat> you know, you've got a weapon on you at any given time. You're staying alert, whatever. But now you've found yourself, albeit perhaps temporary, you found yourself in a situation where you're vulnerable in a weakened state. And, you know, oh, gosh, you know, the spidey senses went off and, you know, maybe you found yourself in uh, the orange color, you know, sooner than later. Cooper's colors of alertness right white yellow orange red and black right when things start right. getting ru- wrong you you know you might find yourself in an orange state and it sounds like you got in an orange state not because anything was going on around you but you just had the light bulbs go off for yourself hey i'm i'm vulnerable what do i i'm normally not like this right exactly yeah so you know there's varying degrees not to overstate the obvious but obvi- but obviously there's varying degrees of being disabled handicapped whatever again ranging from anything from those that have gone through significant surgeries like yourself having your second knee replaced temporarily down for the count so to speak or at least not at full strength finding yourself leaning heavily on uh, supportive tools like a cane or a walker, whatever it might be, uh, to those that suffer more ongoing long-term uh, disabilities like arthritis or Crohn's disease, as we've mentioned, um, everything all the way up to being a potentially, you know, um, a quadriplegic or a, a paraplegic in a wheelchair, right? And so what do you do? What are your options for personal safety and taking care of yourself? And, you know, as I was talking with someone the other day, and I mentioned to you just before this thing started, as far as physically responding to scenarios and situations, there's no magic bullet to that, right? You can only do what you can do, and you can only do what you've trained in and know how to do. And even with all that being said, there's still no magic bullet that's going to ensure Uh, that you're able to get out of the situation at hand, right? But with that being said, even with physical limitations, knowing that there's no magic bullets, there's still some things that 
you can do as an individual to keep your safe, yourself safe, right? Or safer, I should say, when you're out in public, when you're in a state like that. Yeah. So again, you know, um, I had to kind of think through that and what are those things for me? You know, one of the things I did think about was, you know, fortunately for me, the cane I was walking with wasn't an old man's cane. It was, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I got this cane from, but yeah. it has a heavy brass handle on it. Sure. And I thought, you know, that's definitely a weapon. And, uh, um, I found myself walking with the cane more as a club until I got to the car than using it as for assistance that I needed. Yeah. And again, it was just, you know, being in a prepared state. Um, cause again, that cane, the, the handles heavy brass. And I thought, well, if nothing else, you know, I, I can at least, um, defend myself a little bit and, 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 and get to a safe spot. Um, but you know, that's what I did, but it made me think again, you know, uh, what, what, are, what, are, how do other people think that are probably disabled, right? Or at a disadvantage, you know, um, what is their mindset when it comes to personal safety? Yeah. Well, you know, that's a good question. Like what is the mindset for the general populace disabled or not when it comes to personal safety? And we could probably spend some time talking about that in general, but I imagine that for anybody that's disabled or handicapped, whether it's a temporary thing or a permanent thing where you're limited in mobility and what you can do and what you can respond with, this is a concern, right? Especially when you're out in public by yourself, like you were describing being at the gun shop. <clears throat> um, and so, you know, you bring up a good point, you know, improvise weapons and canes are a great option. Is it the option? Is it the answer? Well, maybe, maybe not. Like you, can you afford to carry your cane or use your cane in a defensive manner, or are you 100% dependent on that tool for balance and for being able to move, right? Being able to walk in whatever capacity that you're capable of. So even something like a cane isn't necessarily an answer for everyone all the time because it's going to depend on your dependency of that tool that you opt to use. If you're not 100% dependent on it, a cane can be a great defensive tool. So thinking about improvised weapons and what you can do for yourself given what you have on hand to utilize is a great way to start thinking about these things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I want to say this too, you know, kind of avoiding the whole physical thing, because again, it's going to depend on what your incapacities are and whether or not they're temporary or permanent, uh, whether or not you're out in public with someone or not. You know, there's a lot of things that you can do for yourself even before you leave the house. And, you know, uh, we've talked about um, safety around the house. We talked about that back in podcast six. So it's been a while ago now, um, seeing as how this is 36. And we also talked about uh, safety in and around your vehicles. And that was uh, podcast number 11. So if you guys haven't had time or have not listened to those or weren't aware of them, podcast six and podcast 11 will give you a great overview of things that you can be doing in your house and again, in and around your vehicle to make yourself safer, whether that's a security system, lighting in, your, in and around your house, 
what you do with your vehicle when you're in it, et cetera. So there's always things that we can be doing. And if you're out in public on your own by yourself, then obviously things like situational awareness and avoidance, avoidance, learning how to verbally de-escalate, those things will get you a lot further than worrying about the physical aspects, um, certainly as well. I agree. Um, you know, one of the things I felt like I was taking a test <laughs> as I was walking to the car, I started to think, should I remote start the car and have it running so I can get there and the car will be running. All I have to do is stick my key in. How far away from the car should I unlock it before I get there? All right. And then again, in that same thought process, looking to see if there was anyone lurking around the car. Yeah. All right. All right. To make sure that I can get in the car safely. All right. So, and then even as I was walking to the car, I thought about, okay, do I open the back door first and put everything in? Do I just get into the, to the car, right? The driver's seat and then put everything in the passenger seat. So, you know, there was probably 20 different thoughts running through my head. (laughs) At the same time. Yeah. Limping to the car with, (laughs) you know, with with this cane in my hand as a club. Right. But it made me think, you know, when I'm, at full capacity, I don't think through that kind of stuff that much. Yeah. But it, it made me think through that. And it made me realize, okay, those are things you probably need to, you know, brush up on. Don't take them for granted. You know, you should, those should be at the forefront of your mind every time, whether you're healthy or not. Yeah. I think you make a really good point. A couple of really good points is, you know, being disabled, uh, especially if you're otherwise healthy and aren't typically finding yourself in a situation of being disabled, uh, it can be eye-opening, right? Because it really makes you think about things you may not, even though you probably should be, you may not be normally thinking about because you're at full capacity or, or near full capacity, at least some of us, uh, in your normal circumstances. And you know, being vulnerable um, will likely make you pay more attention to, right? Like to your point, that's what you were saying. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because, you know, hopefully if you're in a temporary situation, uh, you've learned your lesson and it makes you think more about the things that you should be doing more often than not. Mm-hmm. So those are a couple of good points. Uh, I know this is a hot topic, and I think when you and I first talked about doing this podcast, and again, my buddy Jeff and what he was thinking and wanting me to talk about, you know, what kind of physical things could I do, can I do, et cetera. Well, it's really going to depend. Um, and again, that's not an answer that a lot of folks want to hear. But honestly, your scenario differs than the next person. And so it's always going to depend. We've talked about a cane, for example. A cane is a great personal defense weapon, but only if you're not so dependent on it that you can't afford to pick it up and whack somebody over the head or whatever, because right. if you did, you would lose your balance and fall over, right? Or if you're unable to grab hold of a wall or the vehicle in the parking lot that you're next to and use that as balance to hold yourself up while you use that cane, that may not be an option for you, right? Um, If you're in a wheelchair, especially one of these big, heavy electrical wheelchairs, maybe if you find yourself in a situation, maybe, you know, pushing that go button forward and running over their feet could be an option for you, right? But again, if that doesn't fit your circumstances or you don't feel like you can do that in the moment, it may not be an option. Um, 
some of the physical things that you could do if someone were close enough is you might be able to throw a knee or an elbow, but those are typically close range type maneuvers, right? And again, you have to have the physicality to be able to do those things. They're devastating at close range, you know, when it ter- comes to t- in terms of fighting and um, self-defense, we think of three ranges with attacks and fighting, long range being kicks, right? Kicks and such, medium range being punches and similar strikes, and then close range being, you know, elbows and knees potentially, right? But if mm-hmm. you don't have the physicality to do those things, then those aren't necessarily great options for you. If you can do them, you know, at medium range, a palm strike or a hammer fist can be just as devastating as a punch to the face right especially if you don't know how to punch properly and worry about busting up your hand hammer fists are great because you can work them at multiple angles Um, if you are close enough and have the capabilities elbow strikes and knees are wonderful but you know for somebody that's on a cane or confined to a wheelchair those things may not be an option so there's not one or two or three magical physical things that you can do that you're going to be able to employ every time or that will work every time. Uh, something that might work better for you if you find yourself in, in a bad situation is using your voice, yelling for help, yelling fire, yelling stop, get away, back up. Right. And if it continues getting louder and louder progressively, the voice is a powerful tool. Right. And everybody pretty much regardless of your situation, at least most situations, your voice is always an option. Yes. Um, And it could be, too, that, look, you know, if you're feeling unsafe or, you know, you've got to go to a bad part of town to do whatever business you're conducting, et cetera it may be a good idea and advisable for you to take a loved one or a a close friend with you that can help, you know, take care of you and protect you, right? Like going places by yourself may be less feasible than not when you find yourself disabled. Again, whether that's temporary or permanently, you know, you might want to go in groups. Uh, There's always strength and strength in numbers, right? Um, Yeah. You know, I agree. I think that I, I think that if you are concerned, right, and you feel that you're at a disadvantage, I think one of the key things, as you said, strength in numbers. You know, um, I definitely agree that you know you're using your voice or having even you know some sort of audible device, right, is is definitely helps as a de- as a deterrent, right, and and those are you know that's now think about it even more. That's probably a great idea. I, I know that if I was uh, going to attack someone, not that I ever would, and the next thing I know is a big blowhorn coming at me, I'd probably <laughs> think twice, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd think twice about moving forward, right? So um, that's probably a great idea, Mace. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> some of those. There's t- another one. Yeah, some of those tools. And so, you know, that's a great point, too. In addition to things like the cane or the big 480 pound electric wheelchair you've got, which you could use as a weapon if you found an opportune moment, is, you know, all the tools that everyone else has to employ, uh, whether that's, like you said, mace, a taser, a knife. Or even a firearm, but now obviously even those have their limitations based on the sort of dis- disability or handicap that you might be dealing with. 
Yeah. But those are all possible options. And, and, you know, everybody likes to talk about weapons and defense mechanisms and things you could do physically to respond. But I, I'm going to say it, and I think we've already mentioned it a time or two already. Being disabled, whether it's temporary or more long-term or permanent, whatever, there's a lot of merit to you. And if you need to be with someone, which I know some people do need to be, it's important for you and them to be very proactive in being situationally aware, knowing where you are. If you're going into a bad part of town, knowing where you're going ahead of time. So you kind of know what to be on the lookout for knowing areas Mm -hmm. to avoid, Uh, you know, whether you're disabled or not, even though it's a shortcut back to the parking lot after the concert, going down that questionable dark alley. Yeah. It's a couple extra blocks to go around it. That's all still valid. So again, just because you're disabled or handicapped temporarily or more long-term, doesn't give you a free pass on the basics of personal safety, right? And so I think situational awareness for you as the individual that's been disabled or the caretaker that's with you, it's incumbent on you guys to still practice those good foundational personal safety things like situational awareness, avoidance, and verbal de-escalation, if nothing else. And then if things get out of hand, look, At the end of the day, depending on the situation and what kind of condition state you're in, compliance is also an answer too, right? People don't like to hear that, especially men, right? Because men are like, rah, rah, you know, I don't want to be a coward. I I don't want to run away out of a bad situation. I don't want to comply. F that, I'm going to fight. You know, I'm going to pull out my gun if I have to, whatever it is, right? Compliance is still an answer, And if you don't have other options or in that moment, you know, you kind of have a brain fart or you don't feel like you have any options, any other options, compliance is your friend. And there's nothing wrong with that because that means you get to go home safe again, right? And when it comes to property, whether it's your purse, um, a wallet, a cell phone, a vehicle even, that's what insurance is for, right? And all of that stuff is replaceable. You getting beat up so bad that you're on the ground and can't get up because of your disabilities or because they took your cane when they ran off or they flipped your wheelchair over or whatever or knocked out your friend that was helping you get to and from where you were coming from, you know, that's not such a good thing. Compliance may make you, may give you some time, may buy you some time, and there's a good chance you might go home. Absolutely. Um you know, I think about compliance, and there's a lot of times that, you know, I think I'm in a situation, as you know, I take care of my parents, as you mentioned, caretaker. Yeah. And and I've been in some situations where, you know, again, right, my senses are going off, and, you know, I'm not comfortable of the situation, and my thought process is going quickly, like, okay, I have my mother with me who's extremely disabled in a wheelchair sure if something was to happen do i stand and fight or do i be compliant right and just appease and let them go about their way because now it's just not me it's also my mother I have to worry about yeah. right and and then am, am i input am i in a position 
to be defined or you know go on go on the offensive let's say um not always you know so uh there's a lot of times when i think okay if something happens now you just have to be compliant just get through the situation right even if you have the opportunity you know to draw right it's a deadly situation and and, and drawing my weapon would be justified right even if i had the opportunity to do it is that the best course of action in the current situation right right given that i have you know someone else with me and and that happens a lot that happens a lot yeah you know or, or you know if i had to you know throw you know throw fists you know again is that the right thing to do is it just better just give them what they want and, and hopefully they'll go away let them get out of there yeah 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 and you you bring up a couple of good points again right like if you happen to be someone that's lawfully carrying concealed and things get to that point, there's a lot of those things we've already talked about, like situational awareness, avoidance, de-escalation that have gone wrong. <laughs> and, you know, maybe even the empty hand options are, have gone out the window. So getting to the point where you're using a gun is rare, but if it ever does get to that point, a lot of things, and dare I say, a lot of missteps have happened to get you to that point. And, and the other point that you make great, too, is that, you know, like yourself with your knee replacement recently and then dealing with your handicapped mom, who's generally always in a wheelchair, are you really in a position of responding any other way than compliance? Like, again, hopefully your situational awareness and paying attention to your surroundings and know where you're going or having to go and, you know, avoiding the things that look bad or feel bad, you know, listening to your intuition is part of this too. Like, if it gets to the point where you find yourself in a bad situation, do you really have any options other than compliance? You've missed the opportunity to avoid so what's left? So compliance is compliance. Again, a lot of people don't want to hear that. Don't like to hear that. Um, but I hate to tell you, not everybody's a Billy Bob badass, and certainly not when they're disabled. So compliance has its place, uh, especially if you find yourself in a situation like you and your mom's perfect example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of times when I'm not with her, you know, or my father. You know, where my stepdaughter, you know, where I uh, can't, I, I have to comply. That's the safest thing for everyone involved. Yeah. So, well, we've t talked about some good stuff today, too. And I think, you know, some other important parts as, too, is the mindset piece, right? Like, if you're going to find yourself in a situation, you know, it's okay to tell yourself time and time again, I'm not going to be a victim, right? Because anything you can do to strengthen your mindset, and have a can-do, get-home-safe attitude, the better. And whether you're disabled or not, thinking through scenarios and figuring out what you would do in these conditions, these situations, is never bad because somebody that's thought through them ahead of time once or more is better off than the person that's never given any thought. So whether you're the disabled person or the caregiver of someone that's disabled, you need to be thinking about these sorts of things. You're it's incumbent on you and you're responsible for being situationally aware. You're responsible for avoiding. You're responsible for thinking through scenarios and maybe even talking to the person that you're taking care of about scenarios. And Hey, this is a teamwork type of thing. If I give you 
you this safe word, this is what I want you to do. Or if I give you the safe word, this is what's going on. Don't ask any questions. Just roll with the punches, right? Like having that teamwork and that communication and having a game plan ahead of time still applies for you and someone you're taking care of, right? Or the person that you've asked to take care of you. Like that should be part of your expectations of them, right? It's a two-way street, but that mindset is key. The communication is key. Having a game plan ahead of time and just knowing that there's not any magic bullet and there's not any one thing or even a handful of things that are just going to work for you, right? Especially if you have physical and or mental limitations. Yes. And you having the mental limitations you have, you know that better than anybody. I was going to say, you know, you're joking, but, you know, I've seen or read where acting crazy sometimes helps, too. You know, like you said, making sounds and loud, audible sounds and, you know, starting that crazy because generally, you know, someone that's going to approach you and try to steal from you is looking for an opportunity. Absolutely. Right. So. They're going to go the path of least resistance, right? They're looking for someone that's just going to say, okay, take what you want, go away. You start slapping, doing the Three Stooges thing and slapping your head and (laughs) cursing all crazy. You know, they may not want to be bothered with you. you (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. There's the predators that are looking for opportunity and victims that aren't paying attention to their surroundings, right? And so Mm -hmm. uh, anything that you can do because, you know, the bad guys don't want attention drawn to themselves and they don't want to be caught. And so anything that you can do to thwart those things from happening, you know, or, or cause those things are happening, make them cause for concern. Hey, if, am I draw, is attention being drawn over here? Do I run the risk of being caught? You know, again, another great point, anything you can do uh, to, to, to draw attention to the bad situation. Again, that goes back to if you had no other ability aside from your voice, your voice can be a powerful tool in helping get yourself out of a bad situation. So yeah, Mm -hmm. great points. So I know you're going to heal up and be back to norm, you know, and I know you've been through the knee replacement thing twice now. Um, you know, after this last time kind of being more conscientiously aware of your vulnerabilities, do you think this is going to have any influence on how you carry yourself in the parking lots or the parking decks or in a questionable part, part of town? Like, has this made you really think about things or is this just like, oh, shit, I'm in this situation. What do I do now? Um, well, you know, I, I'm never too far. I'm always aware. Always. Right. It's just I. It's hard to stay at a state of yellow, which they say we all should be at all times. When you leave the house, yeah. Right, when you leave the house. Yep. It's hard to be at that state all the time. Sure. Okay, we all let our guards down. So, you know, do I stay stay at that state all the time? No, right? But I can tell you that more times, more often than not, I am. My, my, I'm always aware of my surroundings, and if I'm not, my wife is with me and there's been times where I, you know, I've let my guard down and she's even said, you've let your guard down. And I say, why? She goes, you didn't even notice what was going on over there. And it wasn't a threat, <laughs> but it was still something I should have noticed. Right? Yeah. You should have noticed like the fluorescent orange shirt 
whatever doing something dancing in the parking lot it didn't even register right exactly yeah so you know in saying that being being you know with the with the new knee surgery it probably the only thing i say would change is i would be more conscious of staying in that state right more often than not and probably wouldn't um let my guard down i probably wouldn't let my guard down as often as I do, you know, when I leave the house, right, I, I would definitely be out looking around, being more conscious, you know, being being conscious of my actions. How am I getting in the car? What's going on around me? Right. What is what's going on when I get out the car? Yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, where I live, it's it's dark. If I yeah. don't turn off, turn on the floodlights around the house. And there's been times I've thrown down and once you turn off the headlights of the car, you can't see anything. I mean, you really barely can see the hands in front of your face. Yeah. And I think about that too, you know, you know, you know, if I'm getting out and, you know, and I'm limping to the, to the front door. Someone's already noticed that, you know, I have a little limp to myself, have my keys out. You know, even what I've learned now is if I come home and I didn't turn on the lights, right. I'll, uh, I'll, uh, be conscious, leave the, the car running, open the door, right. Turn on the lights and I might come back and get the keys or, Turn on, turn, um, take the keys out, close the door, and then press the button so the front headlights do come on. So at least I have some sort of illumination while I get in the house, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, just things like that, just you know, small little things that I probably um, during this time just be a little bit more conscious of. Extra you know? care. Yeah, extra care. That's exactly right. Yeah, and I think whether people want to acknowledge it or hear it or not, I think when you're in a weakened state when you're vulnerable uh, via a a disability or whatever that's causing your vulnerability, I think that the answer really above everything else is hyper vigilance, perhaps even, you know, being more than what you would normally be if you are at all. But when you're in a weakened state, you could be, you know, picked out as a victim, right? And so mm-hmm. um, it's an, it's really important that you are hyper aware and hyper vigilant about all the things we've we've talked about. Certainly, well, I yep. think this has been good. Hopefully, those listening get something from this. Um, and, and look, this needs to be as much for the caregivers um, as it is for the individuals that are suffering the handicap or the disability. Uh, there's a lot of responsibility in caregiving, and this just adds to that list, unfortunately. But it's uh, it's the right thing to do, and and it's necessary. Um, but with that being said, I want to thank you yet again for doing another podcast with us. Uh, this has been good, and um, I know you're healing up, and will continue to do so. So I appreciate your time, and um, thanks again. You're welcome. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. <laughs>